All right, good morning. At this time, we can have those children dismissed for junior church. If we have any in here. We have, all right, we have a couple going. All right. Uh, I want to thank everybody for praying for uh, my family and I uh, this past week and a half. Um, families like to share things. And in a family of six, uh, things can really get shared around a couple times. So uh, we just want to thank you for your prayers while we were sick. Um, Becca and the girls are all feeling fine. They're just not here because they're helping out at a, a weekend camp uh, right now. So thank you very much for that. I want to just highlight a thing or two. Uh, the softball tournament is coming up this Saturday, so if everybody is welcome to come cheer us on. That information is in the bulletin. Um, softball team, if you're, we're still going to try to get a practice in this week. <laughs> Um, before we go up, but uh, our first game is up there at 9.30. I think we play 9.30, 10.30, and 12.30. So um, come prepared for that. Come prepared for a fun day, uh, probably an exhausting day, but that'll be a, a fun time there. I also want to make a, an announcement. I wasn't, since I wasn't here last week, we had, I was grateful that the Ishlers were here with us. It's, it's good to have our missionaries come and visit us and just keep them in mind. Um, we, ha- we have a couple coming the next two weeks as well. Uh, Jerry and Vivian Rogers are coming next week, and then the Sudex are coming the following week. And with that, uh, I just want to kind of rewind a couple weeks. If you remember, uh, Deb Durr came up and shared about the Adopt-A-Missionary uh, program that we're trying to get started to kind of focus in more on our missionaries. So our missionaries aren't so much out of sight, out of mind. And so that information is on the back table in the back. So if you weren't here that week and just want to know more about it, it's about how you as you, how you as an individual or you as your family can kind of adopt our missionaries and kind of take them on, under their wing, under your wing and help uh, support them in, in many different ways. She gave many different ideas in the information. All that information is in the back. Um, if anybody's still trying to find a seat, there's a couple up here. Uh, I don't know what it is about this section of the auditorium, but anyway, uh, I guess that's the quarantine section. So, so nobody's there this week, so we're good. All right. Um, we are wrapping up our series in Proverbs. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs uh, chapter 12, uh, it's a series that we started uh, ooh, back in... Is it April, maybe? Pastor Todd started it back in April, I think. Um, And this week, we're going to wrap that up. And I want to begin with a couple of quick pair of illustrations. The first one um, might be more geared toward people my age, the older crowd. Uh, The younger crowd might not get this one as much. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but if you were a kid in the 80s or 90s, or you had small kids during the 80s or 90s, I think that's when it was, this might look a bit familiar. Does that look familiar to anybody? Anybody? Okay, that's Mr. Yuck, all right? And Mr. Yuck was a sticker that I remember as a kid that my parents would get. they get this whole pack of stickers, and they were given to parents to warn, you know, to label on things, to warn kids to stay away from things. So if you had things in your cupboard that that were poisonous, right? Mom and dad were supposed to stick Mr. Yuck on there. So as kids, when we go into the cupboard, if we see Mr. Yuck, we're supposed to say, okay, I'm not touching that. That could could kill me. All right. And so whether it was in your pantry or around the house, your cleaning products under the sink, 
whatever, we would find this Mr. Yuck sticker. And Mr. Yuck um, was there to obviously to, to warn people off and say, hey, danger. This product is dangerous. All right. Stay away from it. All right. My second illustration, uh, I think, is a little more familiar with all of you. Um, it's a pickle jar, but it's not just a pickle jar. Okay. It's it's the, the very button on the top of the pickle jar. You know what that is? Can you guys hear that? You got that? All right. How many of you remember that? How many of you like to drive your parents nuts with that sort of thing? All right. There is a button on top of the pickle jar that makes a funny sound. And my kids love to press that button and make that funny sound over and over again. But for, our, for maybe for some of the kids in here, if, if you actually go to the store and you try to push the tops, they won't do that because the jar has not been opened yet. It's a precautionary measure. It's a safety measure. And it tells you that if this button is popped, it actually says it on the jar, do not purchase if safety button is up. All right, so that, that, that jar is there, that button is there to, to warn you. If the button is up, it means that the jar has been open and the food inside may no longer be good or safe. So for Mr. Yuck, the warning is danger and death. And for the button top, if the button is down, it means goodness, quality, or in a sense, life. Well, the book of Proverbs has much to say about both life and death. And so as we wrap up our series in Proverbs, it's important that we talk um, about what Proverbs says to us about the import, how important godly wisdom is. In fact, the words life and death, life and live, occur about 56 times in the book of Proverbs. And the words death and dead around 20 times. And when Proverbs speaks of life and death, it's not just speaking of physical life and death, as if you, may, you make this right decision right now or you won't live to see tomorrow even though physical life and death is a part of it. If you follow the wrong path, it could lead to physical death, and following the right path could lead to a longer life. But Proverbs also speaks of the life and death in the realm of following God leads to spiritual life and blessing, and following sin or self leads to misery, trouble, agony, spiritual pain, and suffering. Before we go any further, let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your love for us. We thank you for giving us your word. Lord, now as we look into your word, Lord, help me to just have clarity of thought and speech. Lord, help me to, to be able to uh, portray your word accurately. Lord, we, th- we pray that as we come to you today, help us to come with humble hearts. Lord, with, with the... the the heart of wanting to know you better, know who you are. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, the ultimate sacrifice, that we might know you, that we might be forgiven of our sins. So Lord, as we look into the book of Proverbs and specifically at how Proverbs treats the topics of life and death and what it means when it calls us to life, Lord, we just pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear. We pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> Concerning this life and death in Proverbs, one pastor puts it this way. He said, But life is more than having a pulse, and death 
is more than not having a pulse. The book of Proverbs gives us depth perception. Wisdom sees death as not just the physical event of a moment, but wisdom sees death as a whole realm, a domain of human existence in conflict with life. Real life is more than a beating heart. Real life is the vitality only God can give, and he does give it gladly and freely through the finished work of Christ on the cross. And this is why Proverbs and wisdom are urging us. If you remember back in chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, it says, Wisdom cries aloud in the streets, in the markets. She raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? And how long will scoffers delight in their scoff, scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. God, through wisdom, is calling us to save us from our unrighteousness and the way of folly, to keep us from death. So let's look at some of the verses here in Proverbs that talk about life and death. First of all, we have, you're in chapter 12, verse 28 says this, Proverbs 12, 28, in the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Now, in most of the verses that we're going to look at today, um, <coughs> reference, we will find the words either pathway or way or road, indicating that we are all on a journey. And we've talked about this as we've talked about the, through the series of Proverbs. We are already traveling down a road. And as we have learned in Proverbs, there are two. There's the path of wisdom, right, and the path of folly. And if we don't specifically choose to follow the path of wisdom, we naturally choose the, the path of folly. There's no middle ground or a neutral path. Proverbs 14, 12, and, and 16, 25 both say the same thing. They say there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Our natural inclinations, our sinful nature takes us down this path toward death naturally. Our natural leaning down the path is down the path to destruction, even though it may seem right to us. It says, it says there is a way that seems right to a man. It seems like this is the road to go. This seems like the obvious choice. And yet the Bible tells us, put a Mr. Yuck danger sticker on there because this is the path of death and destruction. Some of the most familiar verses in Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you could probably say them with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on, on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Don't lean on your own understanding, Solomon warns us. The path that seems right to us is the way of death. <clears throat> it, it's interesting in, in Deuteronomy, um, Moses tells us about weights that people were supposed to use in the marketplace. Um, and so actually, uh, oh, there it is. I do have that verse up there. In Deuteronomy twenty five fifteen, Moses writes this. He says, a full and fair weight should, you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Now, we say, now, what does that have to do with our verse 12, 28 here and 
And, and, and what's Moses talking about? Well, the, the word fair that he's using there is the same word that we have in, as righteous here in 1228. In the path of righteousness is life. In the path of fair, of what's righteous, of what's right. So if a weight for, for the ancient Israelites, if a weight says it's 16 ounces, it needs to be 16 ounces. No one gets cheated. The weight is full and fair because it's true to what 16 ounces really are as an objective reality. So the word translated fair, again, in Deuteronomy is the same one that's translated righteous. A righteous weight represents the true standard, the reality. And so following the path of righteousness is to follow the true and trustworthy standard. And of course, there is no greater trustworthy standard to follow than that of Jesus Christ, who is the way the truth, and the life. John fourteen six. There's another verse in Proverbs, Proverbs ten sixteen that says this. It says, The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. <clears throat> oh, sorry, let me go back to the, the previous verse here first. The second half of that verse, um, and it says, And it and it, its pathway, there is no death. All right, so back in Proverbs 20, 12, 28. Let's jump back here for a second. In the pathway of righteousness is life, and in its pathway, there is no death. It's as if it's saying, just to be clear, the path of righteousness is life. There is no death, which should grab all of our attention because that's where we're all headed, correct? We're all headed for death. Everyone in this world is going to die. No matter who you are, who your parents are, how much money you have, how healthy you are, you know, if you eat the superfoods um, this past week or so in our family, you know, you, you, you kind of get a f- little more feel of how mortal you are when you're feeling deathly ill. I mean, we weren't near death or anything like that, but it, there were times where it felt like it. It's like, oh man, am I going to make it through this? We're all headed to death. Everyone will die. Yet wisdom calls each one of us to follow the path of righteousness. If you follow wisdom, which remember from the beginning of Proverbs is, begins with the fear of the Lord, <coughs> that's the starting point. But following wisdom, following Jesus, leads us to life, meaningful life here on earth and eternal life with Jesus forever. Jesus said in John 14, 19, he said, Because I live, you also will live. Proverbs is not just a book of catchy sayings or good advice or the path to success. The teaching in Proverbs is a matter of life and death. Now we move on to the verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 16 says, The wage of the righteous leads to life and the gain of the wicked to sin. The word wage, of course, has the idea of recompense, of an action. It could be either good or bad. If good, we could say it's a reward. If bad, we could say it's a punishment. So if I send one of my kids to their room and say, hey, go clean your room, and I come back a little bit later and they've cleaned their room, um, I could say, hey, and your reward is you can go watch TV or you can go play video games or whatever it might be. Here's your reward. Uh, If I send my child to their room 
to clean their room and they get distracted and end up deciding, hey, I'm just going to play more, I'm going to get out more toys, I'm going to make more of a mess, then I might come to them and say, okay, here's your punishment. All right, now you don't get to watch TV, you don't get to play video games, we're going to work on this room again. All right, there is a consequences for both. Um, both are the consequences or recompense for their actions. According to Proverbs, the wage of the righteous, those that follow wisdom, leads to life. And the gain, we see at the second half of verse 16 there, the gain of the wicked to sin. Now we might say, okay, what's, why the word gain? What's, what's that mean? It seems like it might be something good. The word gain here also means produce or the profit or the fruit. So the fruit of the wicked is sin. And if we take it one step, for, one step further from that, what does Romans 3.23 say? The wages of sin is death. The reward for going the way of self and folly is sin, and in the end, it's death. Now imagine if someone were to offer you a job to mow their yard and weed their garden, and they would give you $100. Now imagine somebody else at the same time comes up and asks you to mow their yard and weed their garden and they will give you an old, dead, stinky fish. You'd probably take the first person's offer, I would think, because of the wages that it paid. Yet so many people choose the path of folly, partly because the stinky fish is made to look good. It's made to glitter, to glow. You know, Satan likes to dress up his reward, which is death. <clears throat> but there is an urgency. There is an urgency, a matter of life and death, with wisdom's call on your life because God knows the end result. He does not want you to end up 20 years down the road feeling empty inside alone and worthless, looking back on your life and wishing you hadn't chosen the stinky fish path. He is urgently calling you to choose now, follow me now, as Joshua called the people of Israel in his day. You remember Joshua's call to the people of Israel, choose you this day who you will serve. That's Proverbs' urgency for us today. Choose today. Follow the right path today. Wisdom is calling out it knows the end result. God knows the end re reward for both paths, and he's calling us to follow him. A third verse we're going to look at, Proverbs nineteen sixteen. Whoever keeps the command keeps his life. He who despises his ways will die. In Genesis, when God creates everything through six days of creation, he pronounced everything good. Every day, he was like, it's good. God, and God said it was good. And God said it was good. And God said it was good. Everything God does and gives is good, including his instructions. Um, a few years back, my dad, my older brother, um, my, and I think it was a couple of my cousins and my uncle, uh, participated in a race up in New York. They asked me, but I was like, I don't, 
when I, after I heard the details. It was a 50-mile race, so each of them got like 10 miles, all right? And it was cross-country, and some guy, somebody had, was out in the sun where it was really hot, and somebody had to run through the woods and all this, and I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. But they, they decided they were going to go in as a team of five and, and run this race, and I forget who it was that had the leg that was kind of up and down in the woods throughout the woods, and but whoever it was, they said somewhere in there they got off the trail, they got off the path, uh, and it was kind of a scary thing because here you are in a place you really don't know, and you're trying to run with teammates, all right, so you're trying to get a good time for everybody, and all of a sudden you're off the trail, and you don't know now not only am I not going to have a good time, but am I going to get back at all? You know, it was kind of that, okay, I have to find my way back to where I need to go. <clears throat> so unfortunately, apparently the trail wasn't marked all that well. Fortunately for us, God has marked the trail well by giving us his instructions. God gives us instructions and they are good instructions. Um, and I think we overlook this sometimes, but it's an important and tr- truth to the fact that God's instructions to us are good. David, David knew this. In Psalm 19, 7 through 9, he says this. He says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. God's word is good for us. The Proverbs Solomon is giving us are good for us. It's not a father trying to stifle his child's freedom or pleasure or joy. Giving yourself to following God's instruction in your marriage, your money, your time, your words, your relationships, your everyday decisions is not a drag on your life or a killjoy. It leads to true life, to experiencing life as God designed for us. God's word, the Bible, is God's instruction on how God has created us to live. To neglect God's instruction leads to death. The death of your marriage the death of your relationships with your kids, your coworkers, your friends, the death of your finances, the words of death that, be, that come out of our mouth. All these things that we've been talking about in this, in this series in Proverbs. We've talked about friendship. We've talked about family. We've talked about uh, the words that we speak. We talked about um, good and evil. Proverbs is adamant that we take this to heart. And that we do what's right and make the wise choice and follow God down the path of wisdom. <clears throat> Proverbs is full of practical advice, and you could take it or leave it, but Proverbs makes it clear that this is a matter of life and death. Um, a couple of years ago, my family took a trip up to Jim Thorpe. I don't know how many of you have been up to Jim Thorpe, but Jim Thorpe is a nice, beautiful old-time town. Uh, a lot of scenic stuff up there. Um, it's just kind of hidden in the mountains and a lot of old old homes, big homes, because I guess the this, this story behind the town is it was a big coal town, and so some of these 
rich guys who, who owned all the coal mine and all the coal mining business. Um, there were a couple of millionaires or whatever that lived up there, and they basically, I guess, tried to build bigger houses than each other and all this other stuff and that sort of thing. Um, and there's a train up there. You can ride the train. We enjoyed riding the train. Um, but, but we also went for a walk kind of off the beaten path, just outside of town. And on that walk, we came across... It wasn't a really big cemetery. It was a uh, fairly small small cemetery. And we walked through it because the path there was a path that went through it. And we noticed that there were some pretty big like monuments in this in this graveyard. And so when we got back down into town, we kind of asked one of the people at the information station, "Hey, what's with, you know, the graveyard and, you know, this kind of out 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 there graveyard with big monuments and stuff?" And the person told us, they said, you know, the, the, the millionaires that lived here tried to outdo each other in everything, all right? Building bigger businesses, building bigger houses, and they even tried to build bigger monuments. So if the first guy died, the next guy had to build a bigger monument for himself than, than the previous guy. And it was just, it, it just amazed me that here's what these people found important was having the biggest stuff, even the biggest thing to mark that you're dead. All right, I'm dead, okay? This is my big pillar to me. <laughs> you know, and it, it turns out that, they, that in the end, it doesn't really matter how big your tombstone is. It doesn't matter how big your house is, how big your bank account is, your popularity, your level of comfort. What does matter what is a matter of life and death is how did you respond to God's call of wisdom and how to live your life? You know, in truth, the book of Proverbs is encouraging us to make every decision as if it were our last. Now, before we start freaking out and say, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't think that much through when I got dressed this morning. Uh, you know, is, it, is this what I'm supposed to be wearing? Is I'm supposed to be... That's not what Proverbs is talking about. But when it comes to our day in moral choices of how do I treat the people around me? How do I go around? How do I follow God today? Those choices are more important than we often think. Oftentimes it's just like, oh man, it'll just, I'll just uh, make the important decisions tomorrow. Proverbs is saying, hey, following the path of wisdom is a choice day in and day out, and it's a matter of life and death. Seeking God, following after God, staying close to His Word is a matter of life and death. Proverbs says, Fear the Lord, walk His path, keep His good commandments, for the wages of righteousness found in Christ is life. And this is profoundly important. And so as we wrap up this series on the book of Proverbs, I hope it's been very helpful to you as it's been to me. Proverbs is a, it's an amazing book. It's packed with these little punches, lots of little punches that can take a lot of unpacking. Like I said, I think we, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I think we started this back in April and the, so the probably, what, 12, 15 maybe sermons that we've spent in it 
can hardly do it justice. And so let me encourage you to dive into, continue to dive into the book of Proverbs in your own life. It will give you wisdom to follow God. And it will give you wisdom day in and day out. (coughs) Excuse me. But let me encourage you also to follow Jesus as he leads us down this path. Jesus is the one that we are to follow. Jesus is the one that we are called to follow. Again, as I said earlier, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. (coughs) Pardon me, just a second. Anyway, all right, I think I'm good. Ah, so, anyway, I forget where I was at. But anyway, to wrap this up, that's right, we're wrapping up this this series in Proverbs. Uh, Let me encourage you to continue to read in the book of Proverbs, (coughs) and and we will, uh, as we continue on, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer.